Hello, this is Brooke from Axis Mundi, and welcome to Messages from the Medicine. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am so excited to share today's episode with you, which features a very special guest, Dr. Melissa Sell. Dr. Melissa is a chiropractor and Germanic healing knowledge teacher. She helps people to understand their symptoms from the Germanic healing knowledge perspective, guides them in learning to trust their bodies, and teaches them inner shifts for creating a deep sense of peace and well-being. This episode is packed full of wisdom regarding health, healing, food and eating, trusting your body, not fearing things outside of you, and so much more. I hope you enjoy listening and that this episode serves you deeply. Be sure to check out Dr. Melissa's links and resources in the show notes so you can connect with her afterwards. See you in there. Welcome, Dr. Melissa. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited for this conversation. Of course. So I found your work over two years ago now. And since then, it has completely transformed how I interact with myself, my body, mind, food, and the world around me. I also find your work to pair so well with intentional work with psychedelics because working with psychedelics can lead us back to our own power when it comes to health and how we live our lives. So part of integrating a psychedelic experience involves finding aligned tools and ways of being in the world that support you to live in a more empowered way, to take your mental and physical well-being back into your own hands, not being a victim, and instead harnessing the power within. Now, your work, Dr. Melissa, is most certainly one of these tools that helps people to be more empowered and aware in the creation of their lives. And it was not until I found your work that I stopped believing things outside of me could hurt me. I began to feel empowered in my body and I began to feel empowered in my own healing. So for anyone who is listening, who is new to your work, can you please share more about what you do and what Germanic healing knowledge is? Yes. And so I use Germanic healing knowledge, which is also called German New Medicine. So you'll hear it referred both ways. Germanic healing knowledge was the most recent um, phrase that Dr. Hammer came up with to describe his work, to get away from medicine and new medicine and everything that kind of comes along with those connotations. So this is all based on the discoveries, these natural laws discovered by Dr. Hammer, which is absolutely transformative and it will change everything that you thought you knew about health. And the, the best place to start explaining it is with Dr. Hammer's story, which is that in 1978, um, Dr. Hammer, he was a professional medical doctor working um, in clinic, helping people. You know, he had a very big heart. You know, he worked for free in many cases. He invented things. He's just a brilliant doctor. And a tragedy happened in his family. He had a 17-year-old son um, who was off on a trip and was shot. And it was an accidental shooting by a madman. And he survived for a few months, but he ended up passing away. 
And, you know, just imagine what that's like for someone to have a 17 year old, your son, and him holding on to life and then losing him. And it, I mean, just absolutely crushing, heartbreaking, tragic. Um, and a few months after that, Dr. Hammer discovered he had a testicular tumor. And knowing that he didn't have any cancer in his family, and this was obviously a big thing that had happened, and he has a scientific mind. He knew that there was a correlation between the shock that he had um, in losing his son and the testicular cancer. He didn't know exactly what it was. And at the time, you know, he did a lot of conventional types of things. I think he had it removed. Um, I don't think he did um, chemo or radiation, but I know that he did have surgery. But he started asking questions. He, he again, he knew that there was a connection there and he had access to cancer patients. And so in his conversations, he started discovering a pattern. And that pattern was every man who had testicular cancer had a loss conflict had a tragic loss. Every woman who had a glandular lobular breast cancer had a worry conflict. Every person who had a lung cancer had a death fright conflict. And so he started putting these pieces together. There's something, there's more going on here. Then he tied in the brain. So, you know, if, if, he, if these people are out here having experiences, you know, loss, trauma, death fright, indigestible, more, they're experiencing these situations in their lives and their tissues are doing something. He knew that there had to be something going on in the brain because the brain is the master control center, the mediator between the outside world and the inside world. So he started looking at brain scans, which took this from, you know, this idea, this connection to this is science. This is actually there's something very important going on here. And he found that so every single person who had the, the testicular or the lung cancer or the breast cancer had that particular type of shock. They also had a ring formation, a circle measurable in their brain on a brain CT scan. And so he started putting these laws together and had these amazing, incredible insights about the system. And so the system are these five biological laws under which all biology operates, all organisms, all bodies operate under these biological laws. And he tested them and he studied them again and again and again and found that there were no exceptions to these rules, which makes this the most scientific and accurate system of health known in the history of humanity. And so it's kind of a big deal and it's very much hushed. Nobody talks about it. You know, the, the medical, he, he presented this thesis to the University of Tübingen and they, they cannot even acknowledge in any way, they cannot validate this information, even though it's been independently validated by lots and lots of different people. It can't be officially validated because as soon as it is, as soon as it's something, as soon as there's a class in medical school about this, everything changes. Um, and so it's, it's, it's radically different. And it is, I have found so reliable. And every single person I've spoken to since I've been looking into this and studying it and using it on myself and with other people for five years now, never been wrong. I mean, it's all, it's always spot on and accurate. And so, you know, a complete reorganization of how we view our health is in order. And so um, this starts with the individual, starts with the person listening to this podcast saying, okay, what is this? I've never heard of this before. Let me look into it. And the cool thing about it is that you can look into it and you can validate all of the biological laws in your own experience, which is that, that piece of self-empowerment. 
Yes. Oh, thank you so much for explaining this. I mean, finding your work literally changed my life. So I'm so happy to introduce you to our community now. So one of the main messages intentional work with psychedelics can give us is that healing happens from within, that we are powerful, and we don't need to outsource our healing, that we can align with our body's natural inclination to heal. And I know this is so aligned with everything you teach. So can you share more on your perspective on healing and how it happens in the body? So healing is always happening. You know, the body is all about homeostasis. And so at all times, the body is trying to maintain a certain internal environment that is appropriate to help you to survive in whatever situation you happen to be in. That That is what the body is programmed with life. And life is always seeking to uh, maintain itself and to reproduce itself. And so this is something that's constantly happening every single moment. I mean, sometimes I'll just meditate on healing. <laughs> and like, if, especially if I slice my finger chopping vegetables, and oh my goodness, there's a cut. And obviously, it's not fun to have a cut. But I marvel when I get to watch my body heal. Because the moment that the skin was pierced, the moment that there was an alteration in normal, <laughs> my body went to work immediately. There wasn't a pause, there wasn't a thought this is and that's how these biological laws operate they are pre-conscious. And so we use our conscious mind after the fact. So after we have a shock, after something happens, our body is on the spot. They've done really interesting studies that show that before you make a decision, your brain already knew the decision like six seconds before you were conscious of the decision. Wow. And so stuff is happening at lightning speed constantly in our nervous system to keep us functioning and alive. And so, you know, it's only we come in after the fact and give meaning to it, give interpretation, give language to it. But all of this stuff is pre-language, it's pre-conscious, it's programmed in. And so healing is always happening, you know. And so the body is either in a, st a state of homeostasis and balance, so just maintaining our normal functions, or it's in a state of adaptation. And so when we enter, and this is the second biological law, this is the law of two phases. So, you know, and understanding this is so important for every individual to just understand how my body works. So normal day night rhythm, if you're sleeping through the night, um, you know, during the day, your body is more conflict active. So you're fight or flight, you're out there foraging and hunting and gathering and doing the things to, you know, procure the things you need to stay alive. And then in the evening, you shift into rest and digest the parasympathetic um, nervous system becomes more dominant. And so we have a normal day-night rhythm, day-night, day-night, until the moment of a shock. So the moment that your body is caught off, off guard by something unexpected, something suddenly occurs and you are, you're shocked. And a few characteristics of the shock is that it's isolating. It kind of catches you on the wrong foot, out of nowhere, unprepared. You weren't, you know, th thinking that this was going to happen. Boom, it happened. And in that moment, you feel very isolated. You feel all alone in the world, which is why you're, th that's why it activates the biological conflict. Um, that's why your body steps in to adapt your tissues to help you because it's not a psychological problem. It's not something you just think your way through. It's something that in that moment, that lightning shock said, 911, something's going on here. We might not make it. And your body says, I have a program for that. I have a program for that. And it depends on the nature of the thing that you were experiencing. So whether it was a worry for your child or something that you can't swallow or something that stinks that you're frustrated about, something or someone you want to separate from, something you're missing desperately, all of these different ex human experiences, they have a different flavor. 
they have a different song is some way I've been describing it lately. It's like, it's a certain tune when you have an emotional experience, it's like a song you're playing for your nervous system and it wakes up a certain organ because it's that organ's time to adapt to help you. So whether that means increasing the amount of thyroid um, gland that you have so you can have more thyroid hormone in your system, increasing the number of um, alveoli in your lungs so you can absorb more oxygen, decreasing sensitivity to a certain area of your body that you're wanting to separate from something, causing memory loss so that you can forget how sad you are about somebody that you're missing. So all of the biological conflicts and the adaptations have meaning, have purpose. It's all happening for a reason. And so when you're in this state of conflict, this is when you're not sleeping very well, your hands and feet are cold, you're not hungry, your heart's racing, and you're just, you're perseverating, you're preoccupied, your mind is just filled with this problem. You're waking up in the middle of the night, you're worried, it's just ongoing until the moment of resolution. And so our bodies are adapting, the body's trying to help us until the moment of resolution. And then oh, we breathe the sigh of relief. We get the news, we let something go, we see it in a new light, something happens that causes us to relax. And it's that relaxation that signals the nervous system, oh, now we're not in adapt the body to survive mode, now we are safe and we can shift into repair and restore the tissue so we can get back to homeostasis mode. And so we also can call that healing, um, you know, healing, uh, the, the phrase healing for some people can indicate that what was happening during the conflict was was wrong or that was sickness or something bad. And so sometimes, you know, the language we use can imply certain things about um, like the old school way of thinking about health. And so I look at this as the repair and reconstruction, you know, so your body is always in a state of health. It was in in a state of health when it was adapting. You weren't sick then when your body was growing extra breast gland tissue. You weren't sick when your body was growing extra thyroid tissue. You were extremely healthy because you were adapting to your environment in an appropriate way. But now your body is setting you back to normal because if you have extra cells and you don't need those cells, they're decomposable. And the bacteria in our body and fungus in our body comes in to decompose and eat away the cells that are no longer needed or bacteria come in and assist in the regrowth and regeneration of cells that need to be restored. And so it's this perfect harmony. The body has it all built in. <laughs> We've got the the, the decomposers, we've got the, the constructors, we've got everything inside of us with these microsurgeons, and it's our misinterpretation of what these symptoms mean that causes the conventional-minded person to think that I'm sick, something's wrong with me, I'm not healing, there's a problem, and it's simply a misinterpretation and misunderstanding of this whole process that's going on. Yeah, it was not until I found you that I was not afraid of symptoms. You know, I, I thought symptoms were something to fear, something to fix. And you helped me understand, really unlearn that and learn something completely new. So you really just spoke to this, but maybe let's just speak to it one more time because it might be a really new idea for people. Can you speak more to why symptoms are nothing to fear? Yes. And this is so important because when you enter the repair phase, the healing and reconstruction phase, that's typically when you feel sick. This is when you become symptomatic. This is when you have a headache. This is when you are desperately fatigued or you're having a fever or a cough or aches and pains or bleeding, inflammation, you know, blood in your stool, something's going on. That's when people go, oh no, 
<laughs> and they go on WebMD, Dr. <laughs> Google, and they look up their symptoms and then they freak out because everything in that world, everything that most people think, what your parents think, what your doctors think, what you've been told for forever, what I learned when I went to school, you know, is all of these things, night sweats, um, you know, pain, bone pain, that means something very, very bad is going on, which causes a new conflict. So when you start being afraid that, oh no, something really scary is happening in my body, I might may have left something go too long, this could be really bad, your mind just starts flashing all of these horrible images um, about what could happen. But when you get it, and that's why this is the most, and this is why they don't want people to know about this, because if you when you stop being afraid of symptoms, you are less manipulable. You can't be manipulated. You can't be forced into doing something that you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know why this is happening, but I fear the worst case scenario. Therefore, I'll take whatever you got, <laughs> you know, is what a lot of people end up doing. But when you are empowered with the knowledge that a headache and bloating or blood in your stool, like you know exactly what it means, you know, okay, this is what I was conflicted about. I was conflicted for three days. I woke up every night and then I shifted my perspective or something changed and boom, I let it go. I know I'm going to be symptomatic for three or four days and I'm going to, you know, so the length of the conflict determines the length of the healing phase. And so if you were in conflict for three days, you'll be in healing for three days. If it was a week, it'll be a week. If it was months, it'll be months. And so the more that you can understand that, and that's given um, if you don't relapse back into the conflict, because that's something that a lot of people do. And so if you've got a chronic issue or something that like never seems to go away, it's because it's chronically being reactivated. So essentially like you're starting the healing process, then you're ripping off the scab. Then you're starting the healing process and you're ripping off the scab. And so we have to figure out the ways in which you are. And the thing about ripping off the scab is you're not conscious of it for the most part. You are triggered by stuff in your environment. You are remembering things. You're reminded of things. And so you stay in this chronic loop of this cycle. But when you can zoom out and understand where you're at, what's been going on with clarity, with like calm curiosity is really the name of the game calm curious let's watch what's going on oh this the symptom is coming up uh this is happening oh this isn't bizarre i mean it's it's new it's interesting but if i you know look at the biological laws if i look at the map of the body this makes perfect sense i can fit this into my experience i know when it started when it ended you know and, and i can i can ride out the wave because it's not that symptoms are fun <laughs> but they are nothing to fear it's not that you're going to enjoy them necessarily they may so be extremely uncomfortable. You may choose to use some type of, you know, holistic, palliative, sometimes even medical things. Um, you know, when you understand GNM, you're able to use conventional medicine in ways that make sense instead of ways that suppress and override what the body is naturally doing. You know, so we want to use it intelligently instead of, oh my gosh, this is so scary. You know, I just need to bring this fever down. I just need to get rid of the symptom. I just need this to go away. I just need to just cut this out of me, you know, and so that's kind of skipping a step, you know, and sometimes that's necessary surgery, for example, if a conflict lasted a very, very long time, you know, so a conflict goes on for a long time, we've got a very large growth, we've got something that's blocking or pressing on other uh, tissues that's causing interference, you know, so we use conventional medicine, usually in like a mechanical uh, way, 
let's get this thing out of the way because it's causing a blockage. Um, and so there's very wise ways that we can integrate all the different modalities, but we want to do it in ways that support what the body is already doing, which is this normal natural process. And so the better you can understand what your symptoms mean, the more you can feel empowered and less like a victim of, oh, the season and I just have allergies or, oh, my genetics and I just happen to have acne or colon problems because everybody in my family has. And that is disempowering because there's if if you have no control over it, there's nothing you can do. You're just a sitting duck. You're kind of helpless, you know, and you're just kind of doing the best that you can. But when you realize that you are actually in the driver's seat of your experience and you can modify by your perception the way that you experience stuff, um, that's not that you can protect yourself from all conflicts for forever, but you can live in this very um adaptable way where stuff happens of course that's part of this life is uncertainty stuff happening i just want to be maximally adaptable so whatever happens if it catches me off guard i recognize it i'm able to downgrade it um, swiftly so that i don't sit in the conflict and allow it to persist longer than it needs to mm. yes a thousand times yes to all of this this is so so good so important so pathologizing ourselves and creating an identity around a diagnosis or many diagnoses is very common in our society. And I know that sometimes receiving a diagnosis can help to give context to something we've been experiencing or help us not feel so alone in it or help to normalize it. However, that being said, because symptoms are really these sacred messengers pointing to spaces in need of greater healing and love, I would love for you to speak more to how identifying with a diagnosis can possibly hinder our growth and process of healing. Mm, yes, and this can be with anything we, we identify with too closely when it becomes a part of our identity. And that's the thing is a lot of the conflicts and who is it? I, I think they call him the father of modern me medicine, William Osler, I think. You know, don't ask what disease the person has, but what person the disease has. And it's and it's basically like these themes. So people who have, you know, a type of conflict and then find other people who have the same symptoms, you know, of course they're going to feel a sense of solidarity. It's like we all have a background fear of not being enough or being or devaluing ourselves or feeling behind, feeling rushed, you know, someone who else who has thyroid issues. It's like you're going to see there's going to be so many similarities there. Um, and, and that's why, you know, when you understand the system and you see, oh, this isn't this isn't just a feature, an aspect of who I am. This is a process my body is engaging in deliberately. Um, because of the cues I'm sending to it via my experience and my perception, you know, and so you want to just look at the things that you feel a hesitancy to relinquish, you know, like if I don't want to relinquish my belief that this is just the way that I am, you know, why is that, you know, what kind of safety, what type of ulterior benefits, things that you're gaining from being a member of this community that you feel safe. And that's why, that's why everyone gravitates towards whatever belief system they're in currently is because that's where they feel the safest. And, you know, sometimes people reject this whole ideology and, you know, uh, GNM, GHK, they're, they're, they're like, that doesn't, it doesn't, it sounds dangerous. <laughs> and it is, it's dangerous for your old ideology because you can't keep them both. <laughs> you can't both think that your body is attacking you and think that it's intelligently adapting. It's one or the other. 
you know? So like you have to die to the old self and resurrect anew. And a lot of people are afraid because one, just because it's uncertain. I don't know what it's like over there. And ultimately I do think that there is this fear. I don't have what it takes. I'm not gonna be able to do it. You know, the self-awareness and because a lot of people have been told since pre-birth <laughs> when they were just, you know, a fetus, that, oh, there's something wrong with you. And so we have this deep-seated experience of something being wrong or broken within us. And then we find solidarity and comfort in being with other broken people. And it's just like, we live in a tough world and things are really hard, but at least we have each other. Rather than, you know, seeing, oh, this all makes sense. These are all adaptations. None of this is something fundamentally wrong with me. You know, I'm actually, I'm okay <laughs> and I can get better. You know, you're okay as you are, and you have the ability and capacity to see more, to become more aware, to break patterns. And that truly is very empowering to live in, in an experience where you feel efficacious, where you don't feel like there's nothing I can do. And this is just my lot in life. But there does there is, a, you know, a sense of boldness and gumption it takes to kind of venture out into that realm. And so yes, when you overly identify with your symptoms and with the you know, inevitability of the symptom, you know, oh, well, this is, you know, I was born with this, I've had this forever, or my parents, you know, like that is, it's a, it's a legacy of, uh, of something that is a limit, you know, and it's like, do you want to question that limit? Are you interested in it? You don't have to do it. You can keep your identity, you can keep your ideology. It's just for if you're interested in more and a different experience, then you might find your way over to this world. Yeah. I remember my first call with you. I went to you for some separation conflict symptoms that were chronic and I was feeling so hopeless about them. And after that one call, I felt so expanded, so hopeful, so empowered in my own ability to heal. I understood what these symptoms were trying to communicate with me. And it was so transformative to have that conversation with you. That's amazing. And that's how, that's how it works though. It's a, it can just be a couple of ideas. You sprinkle a couple of ideas into your mind. You start seeing through a different lens, but you had to be ready. You know, you had to be ready to hear it. And then you heard it and it was able to just sink in yeah. and set you free. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Set me free. That's exactly what I felt. So your work really aims to empower us with our bodies, our health, and our lives. And part of this empowerment is not fearing food and instead experiencing greater freedom and, and pleasure around food and eating. And so because any practice around food that is rigid and full of restriction and full of fear, guilt, or shame, or, or punishment, ultimately will, will not serve us and could even breed sickness. And so between your work and my own work with psychedelics, I've completely transformed the way I move through life and, and experience food and eating. I'm in recovery from bulimia. And so for a long time, all I knew with food was complete chaos. I was either binging and there was just complete excess around it, or I was trying to restrict and it was, it was so chaotic. And when I first got into recovery, what I needed was some structure because it was, there was too much chaos. And so I needed structure and that's what I learned. And that's what really served me in the very early years of my recovery. But then as time went on, I began to need less structure and to relate to food in a different way. But I was so afraid to do that. And I had absolutely no idea how to. And so I continued with the rigidity and it began to really not 
serve me. I was so restrictive in what I was eating. I had a thousand rules around food and health and a million things I had to do every day to feel healthy like supplements and coffee enemas. I had like six foods that I could eat and I didn't eat anything else. I was so afraid of it and I was convinced it it would hurt me. And it was really just pure insanity, but I thought I was so healthy, you know, because I was following all these rules. And throughout this time, I just kept getting weaker and I was growing more and more sensitive to everything. And I was able to handle less and less. And so I I was really getting sicker, you know, throughout this time. And then I found your work and I began unlearning what I thought health was. And I began implementing your work into my daily life. And no joke, my life transformed and expanded. And not only did I begin to experience food and eating differently, but I began to feel more empowered in myself and the world around me. And I just had so much less fear. So You know, now eating sweets and fun foods is a normal part of my daily life. And I feel so much more free. And instead of taking 30 supplements every day, you know, all throughout the day, I I maybe have a few that I'll use if I just feel called to it and if it feels aligned. You know, that being said, this did not happen overnight and it took time for sure. And some of my very deeply rooted conflicts, which for me is mostly separation conflicts. I'm working on that and that's just taking time. But now when I have a symptom arise, my first thought is not, what did I eat that's making me feel this way? It's what conflict did I just resolve or did I re-trigger a conflict today? So you've been a massive part in this whole transformation for me. So I would love for you to share more on your perspective around food and eating. Oh, that's so beautiful. And yes, the freedom there is incredible. And yeah, my philosophy with the the food stuff is it's not the food, it's you. <laughs> because and, and most people know this intuitively that they were eating something for years, never had an issue and boom, all of a sudden, we've got issues with all the things. Um, it's not the food, it's the experience. Something shocked you, something caught you off guard when that food was in your system. And that's why you are now intolerant to it. That's why now you experience an allergy to it. It's simply that that food, your body, the body is so sensitive, brilliant, and amazing. So when we experience a shock, it takes a snapshot of everything in our environment and it flags it. I mean, it could be a month of the year. It could have to do with, you know, a full moon. The body just, it can, it can, zoom in on and um, capture all sorts of little elements about your environment because it just has to know, is there a potential safety issue here? It Can this be tied to that one time you had that shock and then henceforth we are on alert to this substance, this experience, this emotion, this thing is now programmed in as a warning sign. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's when it comes to allergies. Your allergies are information about a, a previous shock that you've had. But yeah, when it comes to food and nutrition, I was the worst. <laughs> I was so, I was hardcore, I was militant, I was dogmatic. I thought I absolutely knew the cause of cancer and that it was sugar and it's paralyzing the immune system and it's causing inflammation and it's just wreaking all this havoc. And so I can't tell you how many <laughs> workshops I gave indoctrinating people, freaking them the heck out about sugar in their ketchup, sugar and everything, all their sugar and everything. And it's all, that's the the source of all of your disease. And so people would still go to birthday parties and they'd still eat cake and ice cream, but they just feel like crap about it. (laughs) And so um, I'm sorry to all of you lovely people. (laughs) 
for, yeah, but it does, it takes some time to unlearn what you've learned, especially when, you know, and that's the thing, when I was in that model, there's so much proof and so much evidence, anecdotal and studies and all this stuff. And so it is, you know, when, when it comes to this paradigm stuff, you really got to dig deep and you really got to look through nuanced layers and it's not and don't be tempted to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say oh so i can just eat this and that and that's not going to cause any problems that's and you really do have to look at this paradigm this model with nuance with curiosity with interest because it's not black and white it's not one or the other you know there's there's all sorts of shades in between to be explored and so i highly recommend that if you hear something and you're like and you're you know your your uh, internal belief system the alarm bells start going off just just observe say okay this this is clashing against some deeply held belief that I have. And, you know, I don't know for certain that that deeply held belief is based on fact, or if it's just based on indoctrination and anecdotal evidence and things that I've, you know, witnessed, experienced. Let me just explore all of this as my my suggestion. But yeah, so when it comes to food, my, my old belief was that it is the cause of illness. It causes inflammation. It causes disease, additives, preservatives, you know, bad food. It is, it's bad for the body and it causes sickness. And so now you have to, um, you're a little more empowered. So you're a little more empowered in like the lifestyle modification world than you are in the conventional, there's nothing you can do. It's just genes, it's just germs, you know, it is what it is here take these drugs that's you that's the conventional model then you hop over to the alternative model where it's like yeah disease can happen but if you eat perfectly if you eat really really good and take all these supplements and do all the good stuff you can you can prevent it or you can make it much less likely by your lifestyle and so that's certainly empowering because then you're like i can do something i'm not just a sitting duck waiting to get sick um the problem and kind of the thing that happened to me a few times in that world where were people who were models of health that they were teaching this they were promoting this they were like the pillars in like certain communities that i was in um they'd get diseases that were like what i thought that the disease that you have right now was preventable by all of the stuff that you've been teaching us all these years and so those were some moments for me that were just very destabilizing as far as like you know my belief system goes because i was like okay i'm teaching people all this stuff that i've learned from these people but if these people are getting certain you know cancer and different things that i thought that this all prevented it was just it was a little wobbly you know but let's skip over that and keep teaching it um until i found gnm and dr hammer's work because it really just brings it all full full circle and it helps you to understand why your lifestyle improvements did good things for you it's not that your lifestyle improvements weren't important because they totally were and you absolutely became a new person as a result of eating intentionally and that's why people kind of regardless of the diet that they switch to can have amazing results from going vegan going carnivore going keto doing you know some type of program you do it because it's an intentional choice which implies that you are important you know so you can resolve a self-devaluation conflict by taking on uh, you know going into a, a nutrition journey by going into starting to take supplements you've got positive expectation you have a new framework for understanding your symptoms oh that's a detox you know like when you can reframe your symptom um whichever model you're in 
that helps you to ride out the healing phase, which again, the biological laws have been operating your entire life. You've never, you cannot escape them. It's never not been this way. Our, it's just how we've been describing it to ourselves. And so I can look back at certain you know, symptoms that I had that I thought, oh, it was the nutrition that changed that symptom, but it was me. It was, I was the one that changed. It wasn't simply the food I was putting into my mouth that had to transform in order for this you know, nutrition makeover to take place, I had to change. And so whatever that change was, that was the thing. It was the resolution of a conflict, a sustained resolution without reactivation. That's why that symptom went away when you changed your diet. It's not because you stopped eating inflammatory food. And, and, and a lot of people will say, you know, we'll, we'll maybe challenge that at first, but if you really look at your experience, you will see that it wasn't the food, it was you, you changed. And that's why your symptom went away. It wasn't because of the diet. Um, and so we still support our bodies with the healthiest food available. Whatever you believe is the healthiest food, keep eating that, <laughs> you know, and, you know, 80, 20, 20, 20%, maybe you eat it out at a restaurant, do the, but you, you want to be giving your body good, solid nourishment um, to keep your system ready for those adaptations. Because a person who is depleted, who is nutritionally deficient, who eats a bunch of junk food, when they have an adaptation, it may not happen as efficiently. They may not recover quite as quickly because, you know, the, just the quality of the, you know, the raw materials that you're working with maybe aren't as good, but it's not that the person who eats McDonald's all the time and eats fast food, it's not that the fast food is causing their illness. It's that, you know, maybe that, in, you know, indicates that they have money worries. They have financial problems. You know, they're they're rushed. They, they feel very much in survival mode, which it's the survival mode. It's the rush. It's the money fears. It's all of that stuff that leads a person into a non-intentional, let me just eat whatever I can, whatever I can afford type of lifestyle. And so there's so much more to it. And we have to look at, and that's why it's so, when we look at all of these different elements, I'm interested in the totality of a person and their experience, not simply a couple of, you know, they ate this food, they got this disease, the food causes the disease. It's like, well, let's look at their whole life and their experiences and their early childhood and their gestation period. And like, let's look at all of that to make sense out of what's going on with them now, rather than the bits that went in their mouth. And, and so that's why there's, there's so much more to understanding, you know, nutrition and nourishment versus simply just, it's just the food you eat, you know, you just need to change your food and then, you know, your, your health will improve. And sometimes that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. And it's because of the stuff that's missing from most people's minds when it comes to these biological laws. Yeah. Oh, this, it just resonates so deeply. You know, this just feels so right, so aligned. And I love how in your work, you look at the whole picture. It's so important and it's so helpful in healing to honor everything. Now with food, because you're beliefs can create your reality. If someone is still strongly believing that something outside of themselves can hurt them, what might you recommend for them? Observe, just observe how that belief is influencing your experience. You know, it's the, because if you see someone else eating that food and they're fine, it's like, okay, it can't be the food because somebody's out there eating it and they're fine. So clearly there's something going on with me and my interaction. So just watch how it's influencing you. 
You know, uh, if you can't relinquish it or you're not interested in relinquishing it, just see how there's a fear there that, oh, I, when I eat out, I'm cured, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that something could have gotten into this food. If like they cooked it on the same surface, oh, there's a fear. I'm worried. I'm concerned. Every bite, I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little uncertain, you know, because that's the thing is your experience of this as being harmful can cause an indigestible morsel conflict. It can cause a feeling attacked or feeling soil conflict. That's one of the stories I love to tell is how uh, my experience with acne. I was, you know, I, I thought acne had everything to do with first genetics. My mom told me, oh, well, your dad had acne, sorry. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> and there's nothing I could do about it. I scrub my face constantly with, you know, all the all the things to try to get my skin clear. And then I learned about nutrition. And when I learned about nutrition, I cut out dairy. I started eating, you know, fermented foods, started doing all this stuff. And my, my skin did improve. My skin did improve, but I would still have breakouts, even though I was eating perfectly. And then I'd have to, oh, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. And sometimes I would just be completely baffled because I'm like, I've been eating clean absolutely clean and still I've got a breakout. I'm just cursed. <laughs> you know, it's like when I can't explain it by by nutrition, um, then it was just this defeated, powerless. Well, I guess this is just a part of my life until Dr. Hammer's work, because it's feeling attacked or feeling soiled. And I had this belief, especially again, being in this world, teaching all this nutrition stuff about rancid oils and, you know, every restaurant uses rancid oils to cook their food in. So every time I ate out, I had this perception of like the oil that all of this food was cooked in. This is bad oil. Bad oil causes inflammation in my gut. Inflammation in my gut causes skin issues. Um, and that's where this breakout came from. And my boyfriend and I both, we every single time we ate out, we would get a breakout acne until I got rid of the idea. And, and getting rid of the idea changed everything. Now I can eat out and I can see, it's funny. Sometimes I'll be eating out. That idea will kind of like knock at my door and be like, what if this oil's probably bad? And I just I just shut it and say, it's fine. I'm all good. <laughs> my body can handle anything. To the pure, all things are pure, you know? And so it is, am I gonna let this in? Am I gonna let this fear win? Am I going to let the belief that food is bad and oils are inflammatory and, you know, their canola isn't a real plan you know, and all of this stuff and all of the sound bites of information that I have accumulated over the years about food. And I'm just like, no, I want to eat this. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this pizza. I'm going to enjoy this, you know, Mexican. I'm out, to, whatever. I'm enjoying myself. I, I don't want that to influence me. And, and through conscious intention, I have gotten rid of that fear, that belief. You know, every so often something will happen that's unexpected. So I'm washing the dishes and I drop something in like nasty, greasy water that I'm splashes on my face. Oh, little zit. Or, you know, I'm not expecting it. My dog comes and, and licks. And it's like, if it catches me off guard, it can still happen. So I can still get a zit every now and then, but I can trace it back to what happened. Why was I caught off guard? Was it something, you know, I didn't catch until after the fact, you know, it was just sudden and in a moment. And my body is always going to step in. You know, it's when I can't handle something that um, my body always steps in. And so if I have a zit, it's like, okay, couldn't handle that. My body said, I'm going to create this shield. I'm going to protect you from whatever this attack, whatever this thing that you perceive as soiling you, I'm going to do it, you know, whether or not you want me to. And that's the thing about these symptoms. And a lot of times people, there's actually a lot of activity on my social media channels <laughs> this past week. <laughs> because I made a post 
about, um, and this was in a, a lecture I was listening to from Helmut Pilhar, and he described like an ovarian cyst as a gift from nature. And it's like, oh, a gift from nature because it does something functional for you. Like the zit is a gift from nature. My body built a shield to protect me from something I felt attacked by. And now the shield is being broken down with bacteria. That's what a zit is. It's a gift from nature, but people have such a hard time because yes, of course, people have passed from tumors and cancer and things like that, but there's more to the story than simply the tumor. There's more to the story than simply what we, what we perceive it as. And so to start seeing your symptoms as a gift an adaptation for survival from nature, it really, it challenges a lot of belief systems. People may not be ready to go right there. I get that it's kind of a jump. You're like, okay, I'm just trying to understand that symptoms are adaptations that are meaningful, but you mean that they're actually, you know, good. They're actually helping me it may take you some time to get there, but just, you know, just watch that idea as it comes into your mind and start to see maybe what that would be like if what your body was doing was for your benefit. I did see that action on your social media. It was shocking. And I understand people can be so triggered by this. And that is why it's so important that you're sharing it. And it's so beautiful that you're sharing it because a lot of people don't want you to. So thank you. You know, thank you for sharing it regardless. I think that's just one of my missions in life is to, you know, like archetypes and stuff. It's like, listen, I don't know why I happen to be into this or, or even sharing it. Like the, when I get the opposition, it's like, it does, it's part of, it's reaffirming that, you know, whatever this is and the, the stuff that I'm sharing, it's neat. It needs to be shared. And some people really need to hear it, but some people equally are very ready, are very not ready to hear it. Yes. Yeah, completely divine service. And yeah, your archetype, it's very powerful. So I will just ask a few questions connected to working with psychedelics. I've asked shamans this question and I've gotten all sorts of answers, but none of the answers I've received have fully resonated for me. So I'm really excited to ask you. Now, after a powerful journey with a natural earth medicine, some people can experience a headache the next day and it can be like a pretty bad one sometimes. So what might be the cause of this headache following the journey? resolution resolution mm -hmm. and it's because yeah i mean a journey you see th and that's why i think it's so powerful psychedelics are so powerful and so important i find for healing because it allows you to kind of pop outside of yourself and see things from new dimensions and it's seeing something from a new dimension that can cause conflicts to resolve and it's that resolution it's that release it's that oh i actually am safe oh i actually am connected i am held everything the things that i was up in knots about feeling so concerned about i saw it in a new way and i feel so at peace i feel so much more light and happy and i feel i love the quote from terence mckenna so much you know something about being you know worried about life in the world but just to find that it's a feather bed i'm i'm held life is a feather bed i'm here to play i'm here to enjoy all of the stuff that i was so uh, just anxious about and uptight about and worried about my image. I, you know, and that's the thing. So many people like they, they hold themselves so rigidly because of their self image that they're afraid. It's truly as though like I have to literally hold myself together. And that's this, this physical tension, this mental, this emotional tension, this fear of what other people think of me. I need to withhold. I need to hold my image and everyone needs to know this. You know, I need to project constantly to people who, how I want to be seen. 
And sometimes that just goes all away. And you're like, I'm good as I am. I'm perfect as I am. Everything I thought was weird about me is actually cute and wonderful. And you're just like, oh, that that's a sigh of relief. Like, a, you know, a trip can be a total sigh of relief. And then the next day, that headache, headaches are an indication that there is swelling in your brain and swelling takes up space, which means that there's a little squeezing in the head, but that is healing. A headache is always an indication of healing. That means there was a resolution and now there's swelling. That swelling is um, allowing the body to be set back to normal. And so that's what you're experiencing when you have a headache following a journey is that you have resolved something, you've, you've shed a conflict, you've uh, come through the other side of it and your body is repairing. I have to tell you that resonates so deeply. I've worked with hundreds of people and that resonates so deeply. Thank you. My partner, Michael and I, we've also witnessed in our work that after a particularly transformative medicine journey, some people experience spontaneous healing of a long-standing symptom. So for example, chronic back pain or migraines will be gone. A lot of people have resolution with cluster headaches from working with psychedelics. We've even had one client whose vision improved after a journey. So I'm just wondering what, what might be going on there. Oh yeah, and that's just, just what I said, healing. So chronic back pain, that is chronic self-devaluation, feeling unsupported. And so here you are, you're going through your life. Something happened to you that caused you to feel not good enough, not worthy, broken in some way, feeling unsupported, like you don't have anyone and there's something wrong with you. And the journey allowed you to see that there's nothing wrong with you, <laughs> that you are infinitely supported, that all is well, you know, and so that that's what's happening there. So like with migraines, frontal fear. So a fear of heading into something dangerous or feeling powerless. That's one of the main themes with migraines. And so once you realize that I've got it, there's like, there's this confidence that comes. There's this like, this bolt, like emboldening of who you are that like, I can handle what comes. And it's actually kind of part of it. Um, I had an experience recently where um, I was rollerblading. I had, you know, done a microdose and went, went rollerblading and I was like, whoa, you know what? This is, it was so fun. One, I was kind of nervous because I hadn't been doing much rollerblading. I'd just kind of gotten back, in, back into it. Um, but as you just get the feel for it, you want a challenge. You know, you want to go over the bumps. You want to, you know, kind of up the ante. You want to increase. It's like, now that I've got the skill, I want a little challenge. I want it to be a little difficult. And it made me realize that's what life is. It's like, that's why we're here is to, it's like once you don't want a boring life, as much as you think you want a boring life, like you came here for the highs and the, to learn to surf through your experience to learn to ride the waves. If you're just rollerblading on a flat surface for 75, 80 years, it's like, all right, it was cool for a while, but then it got really boring. It's like, I want a bump. I want a crack in the sidewalk. I want an obstacle. I want to duck under a bush. I want to show myself what I'm capable of. Um, and so that was my experience through it. And yeah, like to be able to welcome a challenge and welcome the growth that it's going to bring rather than to cower in fear, you know, that very easily the migraine person could have been what they experienced and they were emboldened and they were, you know, they saw their life and everything that had been through, uh, through a new lens and said, wow, everything that's happened to me has made me stronger. It hasn't broken me. It hasn't crushed me. My, my trauma, the thing I was clinging to so desperately is my greatest teacher. And now that I can see it in that way, 
I, I don't have to fear it anymore. And it's the, the losing of the fear that allows you to lose the migraines, you know? With vision, it could be visual separation. It could be a fear, fear of something sneaking up behind you, something coming after you. And again, once you see feather bed, <laughs> I'm actually, everything's good. I can handle it. I've got unseen forces working on my behalf at all times. Like I'm that all of these things transformative and you come out a different person. You have the journey, you have the experience, and then you see, wow, everything's actually okay. And I've got this. And that, oh, that, of course you can experience amazing spontaneous healing of things you've had for years. And that's why I kind of think everybody needs to experiment. <laughs> and I think the prohibition against experimenting in this way is one of the reasons people stay so stuck and sick. You know, pop pills and orange bottles from, you know, you don't know what's in that, but you are afraid to, to you know, take something that grew from the earth that's here as like this, you know, cheeky little secret from the universe saying, hey, <laughs> just uh, just give this a try. Amen. Amen. It is our birthright to work with these natural sacred medicines that are, you know, growing on the earth. Let's talk more about your work. I would love for you to share more about who your work is for and how people can work with you. Yes. Yeah, so my work is for people who are just ready to take 100% personal responsibility or learn how to do that. You know, if you're like, you're interested, you're like, I like this, but there are things keeping in. I help people get out of mental prison with my work because I find that everything having to do with chronic conflict, it's all ideas that you have about yourself, about the world, about life, about death, about all this stuff. And you're like imprisoned mentally. And so when we work together, we just, I give you a ton of keys and we just keep trying until something shakes loose. This experience that you're having, you get out to the other side of it. And it's because it's within those confines that you keep bumping up against conflict. You keep reactivating things outside of your awareness. So awareness really is the, the, the core of all of the work. Um, we work on developing awareness. Uh, my partner and I teach something called Awareness School, which we'll be doing again um, in mid-July. So if you're interested in that, it's kind of like the master course of really, really getting to know your perception, you know, because we don't see reality as it is. We see it as we are. And if you don't know what makes up your perception and why you see the world the way that you see it, things can just seem like they just are happening to you. But when you start seeing the the role, the first person, um, it, this is coming from me. This is not happening to me. I am creating it via my perception. Um, so we've got awareness school. We also have a whole um, library of courses that teach awareness um, about specific types of biological conflicts. So, you know, awareness in the realm of a separation conflict or a self-devaluation conflict. And so just adding tools to your toolbox to be able to see something from a new perspective, to let go of something, to just notice when you're doing it. Oh, I'm beating up on myself. I'm feeling stupid, I'm, but I'm so used to it. It didn't even seem bad. It didn't even seem like I was doing anything. It seemed like, this is just how life is. And that's how these conflicts work is that they happen, you know, formative things happen early in your life that shock you in certain ways that you form this picture of yourself and the world and your relationship to it. And so every time you encounter certain things, you react in patterned ways. And those patterned ways are how the body is adapting, you know, your emotional reactions to what's happening. And so we have to kind of look at this from a thousand different angles and just give you little tools tools, insights, new ways of looking at things. Um, and I do that in one-on-one -on -one work as well. Um, and so um, you can 
contact me through my website if you'd like to, um, if you're interested in doing a one-on-one. -on -one. I take people through, you know, a four-call series. You fill out a 30-page life and health history questionnaire, and then we just get in there and start unraveling things, and we start playing with things. And, you know, a lot of times we have to find, you know, light ways of talking about heavy things, you know, and bring light into, you know, areas of your psyche that have been closed off and are very fearful you know i love working with people who have like health anxiety because here let's actually understand why being chill about your health is actually the way out <laughs> because i know that you know freaking out about your health some part of that makes you feel safe and so we have to kind of break that spell and realize that actually being chill is safe. <laughs> that's that's what's safest is learning how to relax. Um, and so I also we do a group coaching call that's every Tuesday, which is incredible. We do really fun stuff in there, um, and it's a ninety minute call every Tuesday evening. And people just come with questions. And my partner and I we just riff on ways of getting out of this mental trap. How to free yourself? How to see something from a new perspective? Develop skills um, for resolving conflicts and living more harmoniously is really you know what the core of all this stuff is about so um and then yeah you can find me on instagram telegram my youtube channel i've got some fun things that i planned um coming out soon different master classes and stuff so yeah there's a lot of ways to connect cool. thank you and for anyone listening for any physical symptom, emotional symptom, you can work with Dr. Melissa and her partner and the resources are so good. I've had live calls. I've worked with one of your courses and the resources are just deeply, deeply supportive and go so well if you're integrating a journey also. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Is there anything else you'd like to share? That is it. I just think that what you're doing is amazing. I think that people need support and guidance and encouragement for going on journeys and using plant medicine because, you know, it is, it's, it's like a whole new world of things for some people that they're like, you know, scared of. But I, I think that once you integrate and allow the tools, and that's the thing is like everything you have is within you and it's in the earth, <laughs> you know, and when you connect with it and open to it, so many wonderful and cool things can happen. And so, yeah, if this intrigues you and interests, I really, encourage everybody to learn this for themselves because I mean and that's the thing too is like with the GNM work um, I encourage you to learn it and then I'm going to help you integrate it and and use tools for resolving your own conflicts but every person needs to know how their body works because if something pops up you know I, I'm not there with you you've got to know okay I know how to figure this out. I know where this is coming from. And that's where the empowerment really lies. You know, it's not an outsourcing, but insourcing and being, you know, your own expert on your own experience in your body. And then you've got guides that you go to for, for help and assistance, but it's all about you. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and making time for this today, Dr. Melissa. I am immensely grateful. And thank you so much for all the service you offer to this world. We are all more empowered peaceful and at ease because of it. So thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Any minute I have to share this, it's just, I love it because, you know, I think everyone needs to know this. That was, it was five years ago. I was like, how have I never heard of this? And ever since that time, I was like, I've got to be a part of sharing this with the world because Dr. Hammer's work is, you know, it's the most underground, but it is the most amazing stuff I've ever come across. So thank you for having me. Thank you. If you are feeling called to begin intentionally working with psychedelics for your healing and growth, be sure to check out our courses and offerings, which will support you in microdosing, microdose manifestation, an intentional full dose medicine journey, and so much more. 
And if you are unsure whether now is the right time to begin, check out our free offering, which will support you in answering that exact question. You can visit us at accessmundiceremony.com. Thank you so much for being here, and I look forward to being with you next time.